0: Hey folks, welcome to Conspiracy of Light, a podcast about Babylon Five and whatever the bigger picture is that Babylon Five puts together. I'm your host Woody Harris, and I am joined by the amazing, the incomparable, the unstoppable Jose Cardona.
1: Flattery will get you everywhere, Woody. Thank you for having me
0: on. (laughs) (laughs) So I I just I had a thought while, while I was preparing for this. Have you ever had surgery?
1: Um. Yes, yes, I have.
0: Did they cut you open? Was it a?
1: It, it was. Maybe worse. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> technically, technically, I, th- I believe it's considered surgery, even though they didn't cut me open, but they oh. went through my urethra.
0: Oh yeah, okay. A hard so, thing.
1: Uh no, it for uh kidney stuff. Oh, okay. Well, I guess that makes
0: sense to go in there.
1: Yeah, is that worse? I don't know. <laughs> I
0: don't. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, I was just reflecting on the fact that I have been cut open, um, hmm. but I have my chest hasn't been cut open, so I don't know if there's a difference in the story there. But yeah, um, I, yeah. I believe I still have a soul, but I'm not certain.
1: Depends who you ask. Probably.
0: That's true. Well, I mean, I've had my picture taken a number of times, and I would, you know. <laughs> A while back, so I, I think I've mentioned before that I, I grew up in a, a very Judeo-Christian home, and uh, my parents had this belief that I was demon-possessed. Really? When I say parents, I should say parent. I don't think my dad ever weighed in on the, on the subject, but uh, my mother believed I was. And she said that her friend, uh, who lived somewhere in another county somewhere, had, uh, had, had, had to have an exorcism for her son. Hmm. And so I'm conscious of this decision. I'm conscious of these choices. And I'm thinking to myself, well, if I am possessed, how would I know it? Yeah. What would be the proof of it? Yeah. I don't feel any different than I felt before. Exactly. And, and so I, I had these long arguments with myself about whether or not I was demon-possessed because I, w- I was in a space where I was willing to believe that possibility, but I couldn't make sense of it because to me... I was operating my own mind. I was in charge of my own body. I wasn't doing things that were uh, uncontrollable from my perspective. You know, I might have had some rage fits. I might have yelled a lot. I might have seemed like a demon child, but my choices were my own. Uh, many of them based on the examples I'd been given in life or how things are supposed to change. A demon would say that. Yes, I know. And I had that <laughs> argument with myself, too.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, so I you had start a client. getting into this
0: talk about soul, and you you start getting in all kinds of crazy territory.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. This is this is true. Um, I once had a client, who the mother brought the child to me very reluctantly, um, mm-hmm. because of because social services forced her to, and she okay. told me like nothing you do is going to work because she's actually possessed. Oh and, wow! And it was like a you know completely serious question, and so a lot of the questions that. I'm assuming you had a loan I was able to have with this child that I worked with. It was um again also coming from a very conservative Christian household from when I was a kid. Uh I could relate to a lot of what this kid was hearing from her parents. Mm-hmm. And that was an interesting case.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: But if
0: if you don't mind my asking, what was the outcome of that case?
1: Um so, basically it at, at some point it was taken out of my hands. Let's just put it that way. okay like the the kid was doing okay. It was more the like the situation in the home was very problematic. So I worked with the child for for a while, and it went well, and you know, that's a conversation that is there are some parallels to the to this episode. Right, which in which you can't argue beliefs, like it's really hard unless the person is open to it. And if the person is coming to you with no doubt and is not coming to you to argue that or to, to have that discussion, she wasn't coming to me as a spiritual leader to discuss the demonic possession of her child. Right, she was basically just doing something that she was told to do by social services. And I did what I, what I could. Uh, there's, man, I mean, this is a good time to bring it up. Uh, Dr. Franklin has this quote in the episode, which is sometimes you have to heal the parents before you can heal the patient.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. And that
1: is something that uh, a supervisor of mine didn't say it in those exact words, but uh, she once told me, listen, sometimes the only thing you can do is uh, help a child... The only thing you can do to help a child is to help them survive their parents. So, <laughs> that was that was one of those situations where I I did my best to help that child survive that environment, which yeah, was okay. basically the only thing I could do, and I don't know what ended up happening afterward. It was I, I also don't know how serious the mother was. You know, I don't know. Right. Right. I don't think she was Catholic, so I don't I don't know that I actually don't know, like, what kind of exorcisms exist within like the evangelical church or Pentecostal churches or, you know, different. I don't know.
0: I don't even know if there there might be one or two exorcisms in the Bible and they were conducted by Jesus. Right. And he cast out the demons out of some body. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, it, it's been a long time since I uh, uh, kind of looked back on that. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, it's, yeah, we're it's talking a, about believers, right? <laughs> the, we we're the talking. tenth episode of Babylon <laughs> Five, season one. Thanks for jumping Welcome in there. Welcome to
0: the show. <laughs> well, I figured if people had watched it, they kind of knew where we were going, but it's probably a good idea to kind of give a little bit of a recap. Just in case. Uh, it's the right thing bas- to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's the right thing to do. Basically, you've got oh. Okay, I'll get back to the offside because I, I want to get back to the offside that I had for what you just said. But basically the story is you have uh, these two parents and their son who has some kind of like uh, breathing problem. Like uh, they keep talking about water on the lungs or something to that effect. And, and uh, Dr. Franklin says, uh, this is an easy cure. We can take care of this. All we need to do is perform surgery. And then this, the parents are completely just taken aback. They are against this because if you cut open the body, then you're letting the soul come free from the body, and then the soul will no longer be in the body. At least that's the sort of the presentation of the story. And they said, you know, there was food animals are cut open. Um, We are the chosen of God, and we cannot be punctured, is what they said. Yeah. So this is kind of, I mean, obviously this is taking a, a a little bit of a page from. Uh, current topics in dealing with, you know, people who are medical deniers, people who refuse surgery, people who refuse uh, medicine. Um, But it Mm -hmm. took it, of course, to the nth degree because that's what science fiction does a good job of. And um, we, we we watched the dilemma take place for Dr. Franklin as the healer, the physician who has to kind of deal with this situation of having his own beliefs come into question because their beliefs the parents beliefs are not the same as his beliefs which you know his belief is science can cure everything uh the soul is not something that can be taken out of the body it's a non-corporeal thing it's it's outside of our hands what happens to the soul but for the parents this is completely like if you cut our son open he will be no more than a food animal at that point his soul will have escaped just a shell just a shell. And, and that thus the drama unfolds, Dr. Franklin kind of wrestling with his own Hippocratic oath of being able to say, I do no harm and saying that I heal everyone that I can. And then the parents dealing with their own, their own values, which is you can't, you can't do this. You're not allowed to cut my son open. He will die. And that's, you know, that's what's written in the streams of time or the streams of water or whatever the water of time or whatever it was. Um, Yeah, it's a fascinating story. I kind of thought that there were similar stories in Star Trek, but I couldn't find them when I started looking for them.
1: I've learned that all stories have been told in Star Trek, if you look hard enough. (laughs) 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 Lately, that's been happening more and more. I'm like, this was amazing. They did that on Star Trek. Oh.
0: (laughs) Star Trek did it. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's like Simpsons did it. Star Trek did it. Yep, same (laughs) thing. Somebody pops out of a Babylon 5
1: hatch, and they're like, Star Trek did it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So you're probably right, but I I can't think of one.
0: Yeah, I I couldn't find it. I looked for it. Um, But so, you know, we as as healers, we as therapists can kind of look at it from the position of Dr. Franklin and say, you know, here is this set of values that I hold to be true. And now I've got somebody in front of me that has completely different values. And what do we do with that? Um, So you were talking about having to deal with that in therapy. And... I, I, I wouldn't say I dealt with anything like this because I did come across I did come across parents who were very staunchly religious. and I made a very strong point that I am not going to direct you in any way, shape or form in terms of your religious upbringing, your spiritual destiny, kind of thing. But what you say, I will I will help you to talk about what you need to talk about in relation to your own spirituality. Um, so that was my way of, you know, not playing God and not sort of enforcing a set of boundaries or rules or expectations or beliefs that were not the clients. You know, I had I had to do that on, on many occasions. I had, I had parents try to involve me in discussions of racism. I had parents try to involve me in discussions of uh, Republican versus Democratic values, and I had to find ways to slither out of all those conversations without creating any kind of rift between us and that was that was a real challenge but what i did in my therapy with these kids was i would do what i called and this is my own terminology this is not written in any book anywhere in spite of therapy which is where the child and the mother or the child and the family do not get along i'm not going to move the family in any positive direction so kid we're going to learn how to live with your parents (laughs) <laughs> but that's not that's a little bit offside, but I, I just felt like that was that was my story that needed to come up when you started talking about how you dealt with this this challenging parent situation.
1: Yeah, and we're talking about belief systems. so it doesn't right. just have to be religious. sometimes it is cultural, you know um, yeah, and and there were many times when you know, parents just like in this episode, they clearly show uh, Sean's parents just telling Dr. Franklin, well, no, that's not the way it is. Like, like his his spirit is just going to leave his body. as right. a, They're stating it as a matter of fact. And I've had, you know, parents tell me, like, well, no, like, you have to hit your children. And I'm like, well, I have research to back that up that says that, that, <laughs> that, that that's, that's not good. I can, I can. And I'm going to share it with you because I feel like I have to. Uh, and... And like Dr. Franklin did that, you
0: know, like he,
1: he was like, yeah, he tried to
0: show them the entire operation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He tried to show them the science. There was a part where he was talking to the other doctor. I forgot her name.
0: Yeah. I, you know, it's sad. I, I forgotten her
1: name too. Yeah. I, I was trying to keep track, but I don't remember her name right now. And he told her like she was she asked him well what's the difference between you and them you both have your beliefs and he said well i have like evidence and and research right like there's there's science i can i can actually back it up with proof and they can't and that was like i don't know i've been in that situation where i'm like well actually <laughs> Beating the shit out of your kids is not good. Let me tell you why. Let me like, show here's you. Here's the
0: science that proves it. Here's the yeah. social science that proves it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you can prove it in the like within the family itself, right? It's like mm-hmm. you may have multiple examples or, or, or the child was one way before you started a certain behavior and a time afterwards. It like, just a lot of information. But again, arguing with beliefs, oh, that's rough and i mean you know when we're recording this i just came back from spending time with family that was very very religious and yeah. and it was an exhausting experience <laughs> it was exhausting um because you can't there's there's no room for even debate with some people about That's certain true. things and and I'm sure, I'm sure I'm exactly the same way about certain things. Uh, they tend to be more of the type that I, I have proof. But honestly, like a lot of religious people believe that they have proof too. And, right.
0: You know. And then you get into the debate between science and religion, which uh, is a lifelong debate that's going on. You know, consistently in the world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's just impossible to ha- to have those debates honestly, unless someone is open to. To debating, to having uh, a discussion, which is why I don't care how many times Star Trek did it before. Th- Babylon Five has the ambassadors, and having the family go and make their case to each of the ambassadors, and have all of these different perspectives, was amazing, right? I think I think it's it's definitely something that only Babylon Five could do, right? It was it was yeah. such a such a unique take on a situation like this and getting, because the, the beauty of sci-fi is that you can discuss real world problems through, you know, things that aren't real. But then here right. you had multiple perspectives and it was, oh, it was so great. Like, when they went to Jakar, Jakar's, uh, the point that really stood out to me, other than, you know, he, he's like, well, you know, there's no benefit to us. But right. he said, okay, like you're you are coming to me with these, universal truths and I've never heard of you before. And your <laughs> and your world is super tiny. Right. You know? Like he didn't say, you know, good luck convincing anybody else, but but he kind of implied, like, your your truth doesn't matter to me, and it probably doesn't matter to a whole bunch of other people because there's so few of you. And again, maybe maybe I'm reading into it, but that's that's what I got from from that interaction in particular.
0: Well, he did start it with that statement. You know, I I had never heard of you until I my my assistant had t- provided me with research because your your group came on to the station. So yeah. he's doing his research, but at the same time, this was like a nothing world to him. He had no reason to believe in these people or know about these people. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and when, I, I, and when they I talked to that. Delenn,
1: it was it was another great example of like, oh, Delenn is the spiritual one, right? <laughs> sure. Of the ambassadors, and. She said, we take our, our beliefs very seriously, and you have yours, and Dr. Franklin has his, and we're absolutely not going to impose or, or agree with like, a particular side when it comes to beliefs because we have our own. Like she, she basically said, I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily agree with either of you, and I understand it's super important, and because spirituality and, and, and our religion is so important to us, there's no way I could possibly get involved because if they were in the same situation, did like that would be hypocritical of them it was it was again another great perspective
0: oh, and she kind of alludes to the fact that someone has has attempted to interfere with them before which I can only assume might be the soul hunter
1: mm yeah well I, actually so so let's let's take a break and and uh recall that episode with the 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 soul hunter and Like we literally saw the souls, right? That's right. (laughs) In that episode. So (laughs) So I was wondering like when he, when Dr. Franklin cuts him open, will something come out? Because I'm, I'm all in for some kind of biological or energy explanation for what everybody's talking about. Right. And even Dr. Franklin was kind of open to it at that moment because he prayed to his God he did that the child's the soul would be preserved or that the uh-huh. child would be preserved. Right. And, and the other doctor was like, Oh, wait, wait, what? And he's like, listen, <laughs> my prayer has to be just as strong as theirs. So it was just, it was just fascinating to see everybody. Um, like there were, there were, again, it was beliefs at play yeah, all over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What, what did you think about Kasha's response? Kasha is a poet. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he is. Uh,
1: what do you say? Like the avalanche already The avalanche, uh, the is already avalanche has already
0: started. Mm-hmm. It is too late for the Pebbles to vote.
1: Yeah. And like how, how did you interpret that? Well, <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's a fatalist uh, conception, right? That, that something's happening that can't be controlled. But what it meant in context there, I don't know. It, that used to be what happened when I turned on my computer. It would say that to me. Because uh, I, you know, back in the day when we were putting computers together, we would set things up so that it, it started with what it, we wanted to start with. So it would start with Cash's. The avalanche has already started. Um, <laughs> oh,
1: so you got it from Cash. Ka- it wasn't like somebody else's quote.
0: Uh, no, I, I, oh, okay. I, it was an MP3 that I put. You know, it, it, made, it made my opening sound for my computer at gotcha, the time. Cash, I was that. <laughs> so oh. because I always thought that was a really poetic line. That was a really amazing. Yeah. Um, but to, to me, it, it's, it, it means that uh, none of us have a choice at this point. And I don't know what that means in terms of that moment, but it, it, it would almost seem like maybe he was even prescient in knowing that what was going to happen. So the avalanche has already started. This thing is already in motion, and you can't do anything about it now. It doesn't hmm. matter if you come to me. I have no say in this, huh. this is beyond my ability.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, and the way I interpreted it was that he was calling them pebbles as in like insignificant because that happened after after Jakar's meeting. Oh, and that's a good point too. He may have seen them as insignificant. But but now after what you said, I'm thinking he saw Dr. Franklin and them as as the pebbles. Like all of you are are trying to move something that is already is already in motion. Like you said, it's it's going to happen regardless. There's no, the outcome is going to be the same. doesn't matter what you do. I I assumed when he started talking about the avalanche that because, I thought he was making some sort of reference to himself mm. because he is the precedent <laughs> to... Oh, that's true.
0: Well, yeah. and maybe that was a point too. Maybe it was going back to the time that Kosh was cut open.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: That
0: was, you know, that was the camel's nose in the tent. We're <laughs> exactly. already headed towards the full camel going in here. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, hmm. but now, but now after after hearing you uh, talk about it, I, th- I think I think you're right. I think he was just, I think Khash is just very smart, <laughs> and knew knew the outcome, and that it was silly that anybody would try to to do anything to stop it. Like that, that it was just irrelevant. Yeah. But, but when it came up, I thought of again a few different things because. They even talked about how he they did establish a precedent and what Sinclair ended up doing he went against the precedent that that had happened you know what he had done before right right Hmm. you know the thing the thing that I'm hearing
0: when he says that we some some people talk about history being a wave that we don't really have a lot of choice in what's gonna actually happen next you know that's kind of a fatalist conception that we're on a trajectory and we can't really make any choices in that trajectory and then if you look at doctor who doctor who talks about moments that can change and moments that can't change Mm -hmm. and you know they didn't sort of uh put this in the center of some big epic understanding of the universe they just gave it kind of a a small epic kind of picture instead of the larger picture but in terms of babylon 5 we could maybe speculate that this one moment is just a small pebble in the avalanche that is coming yeah i was thinking that's not really clear you know because we're still kind of in this space where we're really not sure what's you know you've said it before you're not sure what babylon 5 is all about and you're kind of getting a feeling for it but there's not a lot to put your hands on yet In terms of the epicness of the story, there are these little stories like this is kind of a one-off story, uh, embedded within. You know, it's it's episodic as opposed to being related to a story arc.
1: Unless that comment,
0: (laughs) unless that comment means something.
1: Yeah, which which I did think of also that that maybe in the grand scheme of things, this is something. This is a topic that is going to come up over and over again because when it started. When the episode started, I felt like it was definitely a, oh, this is the problem of the week, but... <laughs> the cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when, they, when the parents started speaking to each of the ambassadors, it, I remembered, oh, yeah, this is a political drama. Yeah. These kind of decisions matter. These kind of events can ripple and have tons of effects down the line like i'm sure that everything that happened in this episode is going to have a very big effect on franklin and sinclair but we don't know what effect that will be
0: right well they certainly i mean franklin certainly had his beliefs called into question his decision making called into question and in the end his decision didn't take him anywhere near where he wanted to be
1: yeah i mean Ultimately, like he just had to read the research earlier. you know yeah, to save the kid's life. You uh. know that was the point that Susie made was you're supposed to be you're supposed to be
0: a doctor. you're supposed to research and know this culture better than you do. you know, not find out what the traveling robe is at the last minute, not find out how they see the, the soul until the last minute. And I think you know from the beginning, I like Dr. Franklin's character, but, but you have to pay attention to, from the beginning, he denied what the parents said. And it doesn't matter that he holds this kind of holier-than-thou idea that he's going to somehow turn the parents. He started with contradiction of their culture by saying, no, I think, Sean, what's going to happen to you is you're going to live a long life and you're going to breathe freely and you're going to make your mom and dad very proud.
1: Correction. He didn't say that's what I think. He said that is what the book or the leaves or whatever says. Oh yeah, like, he did he he spoke it in their terms. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so, he, so he appropriated their their um language for their religious uh, beliefs to benefit his own view. Right. And the mom immediately called him out.
0: Yeah. Hmm. No one may know what the, what happens when the in the streams of time until the waters surround them.
1: Yeah, please do not do that, she said. Yeah. You know, it's a, that was, very, that was very disrespectful of him, I think.
0: I thought so. I, I was yeah. wondering where, you know, I don't know much about medical school. I know what I went through in sort of going through ethics in, in therapy. And somewhere along the line, you have to start showing respect to other cultures. And it didn't seem like he had that. He just had this one kind of strong belief that life tops everything and this is all that matters. And I guess that's the Hippocratic Oath.
1: I guess that's what that is. But there are also laws that come into play. And the laws on Babylon five state that basically it's a neutral space where everybody's beliefs are respected. Right. So so that's right. where it gets complicated. But in another location, the parents opinion like they wouldn't have had to give consent, right? Under different scenarios. They would right. someone would have just saved the kid despite what the parents said. Um like today it depends where you're getting like what country you're in and even what state you're in, what what can happen and what a doctor can do and can't do. Like right now we're, we're looking at abortion clinics being closed, right? Yeah. And basically the laws on abortion being reversed in some states. That means that depending on your physical location, you can take certain decisions or make certain decisions about your own uh, health and and in, and in another place – those your decision would be completely um, disregarded. Yeah. So it, it, again, it goes. They didn't touch. They sort of did touch on the law part. The law part was, I guess, simple. It was like you know, you need the consent of the parents, right? That was yeah. that's the law on the station. And yeah. it was really about the beliefs, but but that's that's a part of it. And in the end, uh, Sinclair
0: had to make a decision. He had to make a stand, basically. For the parents, because no one else was advocating for the parents, but the interesting thing is, he says at the end, and this is just very telling. You know, if you had not come to me in the first place, I wouldn't have had to deny you, and you could have done what you wanted to. That's basically that. You know, it's better to to ask forgiveness than permission. That's basically yeah. what what Sinclair said.
1: Hmm. I don't. I in guess. some way, he
0: endorsed. Dr. Franklin's choices even though he recognized his role in the whole thing is I have to be this guy But really in my heart. I believe this.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure Like there's so many situations right where you you have an opinion But then when it's you that has has to make a decision or actually affect the outcome That's very very different and in this case like everybody along the way had uh, different consequences I think that Sinclair's consequences were more uh, of conscience, right? Like he just didn't want to be put in that situation. Well, and who would? <laughs> well, I mean, I think a lot of people would. Like right now there are tons of lawmakers who would love to be put into that situation so they could make the quote-unquote right Oh, the right, yeah, yeah, the right
0: choice, yeah. The right choice for people that don't seem to know what they're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and again, that's why the abortion laws are being... Um, basically ignored <laughs> right now because there is a law and and it's possible that these things will be reversed because some people are in this exact situation and they're saying no I see loopholes I see ways around it I'm going yeah. to completely ignore the federal law and and do it this way because my belief is this and they don't respect the beliefs of other people they don't respect the beliefs of others right Sinclair uh, respected the belief of the parents, even though he disagreed with them.
0: That's true. And he also, he was the only one who made a direct discussion with Sean about whether or
1: not he wanted the operation. Yeah. And that was the most heartbreaking part. When, going back to your um, your story at the beginning of the episode, like, Sean said, I don't feel any different. Right. He right. and, and he is a student of that religion, right? Like we, we can tell that he's really smart. Mm-hmm. We can tell that he knows the scripture. He's, he's a believer. And he was presented with information that his parents could not understand, right? He was presented with, okay, I was cut open and I still feel exactly the same. Yeah. I believe I'm the same person. And he yeah. told his parents, like, it's me. It's still me. But they didn't believe it and that's no, how they're like the
0: casting ones. out demons as soon as they saw him
1: yeah yeah that was that, that part broke my heart yeah. so so bad Oh.
0: and then he curls into dr. Franklin's arms and you can tell he's, he's quoting scripture
1: yeah to
0: yeah. try to get him through this really challenging moment in his life
1: yeah and then he's probably going through like asking himself the same questions you, you said you were asking yourself like yeah, we kid.
0: Like, am I broken? Did yeah. something happen to me that I don't understand? Is, is there any way to understand it? It's, it's there was a,
1: there was a part that also felt like it. Had they not killed him, it would have been a self fulfilling prophecy in a way, in that because they treated him like he didn't have oh, a soul, yeah. um, the traumatic impact of being rejected by your parents, having a knife pulled on you by your parents, and then being demonized. Yeah. What, like yeah, you're gonna be a different kid after this because they were super loving and supportive uh, before and now they're not so that kid was gonna change and possibly become what they what they believed that he was or at least behave that way
0: and this is a really sad part of of being in the in the field of psychology and and especially working in the community so I get to see a lot of cases um, in which Parents who are convinced that their child is in some way broken reinforce that story that the child is broken, yeah. and the child eventually believes they're broken. Yeah. you know, I've got one uh, family that I have worked with not as a direct person, but as a supervisor. and uh, basically the mother will sit there and say, there's something wrong with this child this is not right. This is not normal right there in front of the kid. And so, you know, it's, we're at Munchausen syndrome by proxy at this point where it's, it's a situation where they're creating the affliction that their child is having. Yep. Yep. But now we get to this question is, is Dr. Franklin, right? Is it, you know, once I can convince the parents once i can move the parents to the direction of my story then i've solved the problem
1: <sighs> like that's that's the situation i've been in many times where i'm working with a kid and i know that the the people i really need to work with are the parents and and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't and i found it really funny when he said well i'm going to give them this just to buy some time right and Man, I've been there, right? And now we're not talking about serious religious beliefs. We're talking sure. about cultural beliefs, about upbringing and and things like that, right? Like child mm-hmm. rearing and mm-hmm. and you know things that I don't think are as sacred and are definitely malleable. Um, and so, so yeah, like I'm I'm on board in that sense. When it comes to religious beliefs, when it comes to core identity. Ah, it gets it gets way more complicated because I want people to respect my beliefs, yeah, as agnostic as they are <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i I still take other people's beliefs seriously right um at least i iris doesn't matter how stupid I think your beliefs are, I still respect them <laughs> right and 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 i i do I do take that very seriously, so I kept thinking like, man, like what am I gonna answer Woody when he asks? <laughs> what would you have done? And and with Dr. Franklin, I don't know, like I agree with Dr. Franklin taking it as far as he could have
2: mm-hmm.
1: until he until he actually made the incision. Until he actually made the incision. Yeah. I just I, I, I don't think I would have I don't I don't think I would have done that. If I were Sinclair I'd like to think that I would have also made the same decision that Sinclair did. I'd yeah. like to think so. Yeah. But it's it's hard because I don't know. I would have also talked to the kid. Like that's what I was thinking like nobody's going to talk to the kid. Now, unfortunately so you and I we work with children, right? And so Yes. Their opinion is more valuable to me than anybody else's. And yes. yet the parents rarely see it that way, and the state rarely sees it that way, or the system, yeah, it's like what they want doesn't really matter because other people have decided what's best mm-hmm. and that is infuriating, so again, like you have no idea how many times i've I've fallen back onto that advice from my supervisor. It was like sometimes the best thing we can do or the only thing we can do is to help these kids survive their parents and i think about that all the time like how can i get them to the point where they actually get to vote where they actually get to choose and that's that's so sad you know that you have all these elements and all these variables in place and and all you can do is try to like fortify the kid to get them to a point where where hopefully things will change
0: Therapy, in spite of, <laughs> yep, yep. You know, I've been on this. I, I, I've hated it because I've been on. I've been in panels. I've been in groups, uh, treatment, treatment planning groups, and things like that, in which there's all these adults vying for this sort of political power over the child, and I have to be. I, I find myself being the only one at the table who will advocate for the child. Yes, and then I get huge fights with these adults. Who are you know pretending that, that we're all looking out for the, I mean we're not pretending we're all looking out for the child's interests, but we all have some very different ideas of what the child's interests are. and you know my my go-to is let's hear from the child. Yeah, I, I don't really believe in making decisions without the child because it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you know I, I've seen kids that did not want to go back to their parents. And all the adults made the decision that, yes, she'll go back to their parents. And I was the only one to say, hey, the child says they don't want to go back to their parents. But that doesn't matter because if you're a minor, you don't get to make those decisions. Yep. And so then this has brought me, you know, I don't even know if I was thinking about it this way before we started talking. But this has brought me to kind of a crux position in my own therapeutic practice, which is. You know, If you look at the pantheon of possibilities that therapy offers, we can try this method and this method, this method, this method, all these different intervention styles, all these different ways of looking at things. And a lot of times the central premise is if I can just turn people just a little bit, they'll see what's beyond the corner. If I can just manipulate the story enough that they see it in just a little bit different way then something will change in their lives and I will have been successful as a change agent, quote-unquote. Because, you know, that's what they call us therapists sometimes as change agents. Mm-hmm. And I get to this question of whether or not I am using some kind of almost like witchcraft. That's a bad, maybe a bad terminology, but this I'm moving something so that I'm saying I'm going to use my tools on you and you're going to see things my way. And I've had these arguments with myself and with other other therapists about whether or not that is a way to go into therapy. Do we go into therapy with the idea that we are going to make them change, but we're just going to convince them that they're the ones who are making the change? I mean, as long as they believe, they haven't been manipulated, so to speak, and they're off on their merry way, and they're happy in their new way of seeing things. But humanistic therapy, which is my school of thought, says it's already all right there you are just there as a means of helping them develop insight into their own self so all of this sort of causing the question what therapy is and the only reason this applies to this is because dr franklin is doing something very similar and saying you know what i'm gonna give them this like like little piece of hope this feather that maybe makes them believe enough that they can believe in me that i can go ahead and cut open their son and take care of this problem that I see is just a minimal thing that's reframing
1: <laughs> this is man the, just using the word manipulation makes me feel uncomfortable I know uh, yeah I mean humanistic is like you just need to create the space for whatever is yeah is there yeah. to, to happen. help
0: everything get out of the way
1: yeah yeah um
0: Cognitive behavior or is not.
1: Yeah, so that's what I was gonna get at. Um so I shared with you recently, like um J. Michael Straczynski is the, the creator of of Babylon 5. He's written comic books also. That's that's uh yes. kind of my first um introduction to him. And I shared with you this scene which is I believe is commonly referred to as uh, Superman and the jumper. And there's a young woman who is standing, uh, on the roof of a building of a tall skyscraper and she's starting to jump and the police and firemen are, are, are at the, on the street level and Superman shows up and, uh, he, when he goes up and, and talks to her, there's one point where he tells her, you know, it's not like your decision isn't. Uh, or like the world, the way the world treats you is not fair or unfair. It just is. And that is some Albert Ellis, REBT shit right there. (laughs) Right. Right. Where he, that is, that is, that is my training. That is basically my life philosophy. Right. He just looked her in the eye and said, it's, there is no actual value to what you're saying. Like there is no, like it doesn't go one way or the other. It just is what it is. Uh, I bring that up just because um there are different schools of thought within psychotherapy. I among my friends and peers that I've worked with, I've never worked with anyone who went to the Albert Ellis Institute like I did and trained there and sure. and and, and it was like an, a real <laughs> uh, REBT therapist. I only had I had some fascinating discussions within that uh, conceptualization with other RBT therapists, but I never actually got to work with any. So it's so funny to discuss a case, like hypothetically, right, like what you're talking about, yeah. a child, what are we gonna yeah. do, and everybody has a completely different way of looking at it. Um, something like that, like what Superman told the jumper, which is like, it is what it is, Uh, like, Again, so 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 Superman went to the Albert Ellis Institute, um, <laughs> but if if another superhero who was like a certified Christian counselor would have come in, they would have said something completely different, and and like you know where you live, where I used to work, like those those type of counselors surrounded us, right? And they and some people would go to them because they had a better idea of what they were gonna get <laughs> when they. Yeah they went to um, someone with that certification. So I I just, it's just, it's just, it's it's hard to answer, you know? And especially you're talking about parents and and again, a system that does not really care what the kids think, or even if they do, they, the final decider is someone else. Well, they do with a caveat. Yes, but you don't know what's good for you. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It's like, well, the kid wants this. Well, you know. They're he just he or she is too young. They can't make know. that
0: decision. They can't see that, you know, they can't see it from the perspective I see it yet. They're not old enough.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, and I love that you've just broken down R E B
1: T to a one liner. <laughs> it is what it is. It's true. Thank you, Superman. <laughs> well, that's like one of the most famous examples of Albert Ellis, right? If you've ever studied, uh, like,. Uh, different psychotherapy um, uh, models. P- uh, models. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Therapeutic models. There's, there's videos where you see him basically just tell people like, yeah, she died. Like it's not good or bad. It it just, it just happened. It did. Yeah. What are we going to do? What are we going to do now? <laughs> oh man. I love that guy so yeah, much. Yeah. What was
0: it? Uh, Keanu Reeves was on, uh, I guess he was on Colbert. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, talking to Colbert and, and he said, you know, Colbert said, What happens to us when we die? And, and Keanu gave this perfect answer, which it sounds like it matches up what you're talking about. And he said, I believe the people who love us will miss us. Yep. Yep. <laughs>
2: oh, it's so good. Yeah,
0: it's a
1: great answer. It's it's about the, the closest to the truth you can get. Yep. Um <laughs> The only thing that you that is pretty much guaranteed that you can prove is that one. Yep. And what were we even talking about? We've well, gone.
0: we're talking about Babylon 5, we're talking <laughs> about believers, and we're talking about the, you know, the, what Dr. Franklin was doing. So it, it's an easy rabbit hole to go down because we don't, off, we don't have a lot of opportunities in Babylon 5 to look at things from a therapeutic perspective, per se. Yeah. And, and the healer, Dr. Franklin, he's the closest we've got to that. You know, we can see he's facing an ethical dilemma, and he decides that his, his ethics are, are trumping everybody else's ethics. Yeah. Which is a hell of a thing to say, uh, but people say it all the time. It's happening all around us. My beliefs trump your beliefs. That happens everywhere.
1: Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've ever talked to you about this, but I think I think Conspiracy of Light, just from the name, is the type of show where we can definitely keep having these types of discussions. Oh, yeah. But before, before I studied mental health, back when I was an engineer, um, I... I explored a lot of um, different, um, not religions, but different different belief systems. Let's put it that way. Sure. And so I studied with someone who was a Reiki master, and I was studying Reiki myself. Mm-hmm. And then during, like, after that, I went to a Buddhist meditation retreat. And during that, and there was like a questionnaire at the beginning, and they asked if there were any other practices that you did. Um, and so I had put down, yeah, like Reiki. Reiki. And I was called out <laughs> during, this is a silent retreat. We're not supposed to talk to anybody mm-hmm. uh, for 10 days. And mm-hmm. at some point, someone taps me on the shoulder and is like, come come here. And they have me sit down with one of the teachers and actually have a conversation. And they said, we saw in your, in your paperwork that you put down Reiki. And they said, we want you to know that Reiki is incompatible with Vipassana, which is the the meditation mm-hmm. um, practice that I was there to study. And we had this really interesting conversation. It basically boils down to the fact that with Reiki, you are doing something to people.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Vipassana, you're only doing something to yourself. So Reiki, like people like, you know, they're moving energy around and they're and they they are healing other people whereas in vipassana it's all work you're working on yourself and they're incompatible in the sense that like philosophically right that mm-hmm. you like everyone needs to work on themselves and not be healed by others now, I understand what we're talking about, Dr. Franklin, and it's medicine, and it's slightly different. but when it goes down to belief systems, that's something that I think about a lot and and I ended up falling on the side of not imposing anything on anyone
0: the the policy of non interference,
1: yeah, 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 so even like for example, like Reiki Masters will like. Long distance Reiki, you so you, your son, you know, so that he he gets healed, um, mm-hmm. which is very similar to praying for someone, you know. Yes. And it's like some sort of divine intervention, right? You're you're asking for something, and yeah, I've completely moved away from that. Uh, in in that, I uh, I have a really difficult time. So when you said before like manipulation, I don't think I saw my work that way. Like I did that before, really. I became a therapist. And that mentality came with me into into my work and, and it's funny I'm not sure how relevant this is, but I remember one time at the at the Albert Ellis Institute, there was something in that we were learning that was kind of like you know our our goal is to help the client achieve their goal and I remember asking something like, "Well, what if the client is simply very anxious so anxious that they can't pull off this armed robbery and they want to help ease their anxiety symptoms so that they can go and commit a crime and the the teacher basically said like well we want to benefit the client and helping them commit a crime uh, or them committing a crime doesn't really benefit them (laughs) and that's a discussion that you should probably have because we're here to help them and to help them basically self-destruct by committing a crime is not helping them. I don't know if all of that fits into place, but it's stuff that I thought about throughout this episode. This episode got me thinking about a lot of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah for, for me too. Yeah. Um, you know, and we didn't even talk about some of the other schools of thought and psychology, but I guess, and I've had to kind of make peace with this because I'm, I'm still – we're all still works in progress, obviously. But if the client doesn't see me – so the true humanistic vision is if the client doesn't see me, the client will be fine. Kind of because otherwise I am a change agent. I am creating change just by the very virtue of being there and doing something. So I, I don't. I also don't see it as manipulation. In fact, I moved far away from models that I thought were manipulative models, like, like behaviorism. <laughs> I detest behaviorism, and yet I also see its value. Yeah. Um. You know. I'm I'm definitely on the Carl Rogers side of that whole thing with Gloria. I'm a I'm a Rogerian. Um, yeah. And and furthermore, I'm a Jungian. You know, because I believe that there's something that's deeper that's sort of moving us all in, in some direction and where choice comes into that and where myself as a change agent comes into that, that those questions are all still in question, obviously.
1: That's another podcast.
0: <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um, I, either way, it, Dr. Franklin did something that I thought was similar to FFT. And I, I know we're, we're heading towards the end here, but FFT is functional family therapy. And one of the one of the things that functional family therapy taught me was to not be afraid to take a chance, to stir things in another direction that I wouldn't normally, like a laissez-faire attitude for a therapist is not the way you go in with an FFT. With FFT, you interrupt the story, the pattern that's going on in order to create a new story. So it's not narrative therapy in, in that sense. It's, it's more like you're interrupting and trying to reframe everything that the family does in order to help them understand that they're all working towards a positive purpose. yeah, It's a pretty manipulative therapy in that sense. The I outcome don't, I don't, is good. I don't think it's manipulative, though. Okay, I come to your house, <laughs> and you're having an argument. Yeah. And I, the argument gets so heated that I, as the FFT therapist, have to do something to stop the argument. Yeah. I throw a book down on the floor and start just yelling. That's yeah. FFT. Yeah, I have interrupted their stream. I have interrupted what they're doing, and now my point is. Obviously, you guys all care about each other because you're working so hard at showing each other that. Well, I've effectively given them kind of a shakti pot. Do you know this term, shakti pot?
1: Uh, no. I mean,
0: okay. So shakti pot. We're way off Babylon Five now. <laughs> shakti pot is, <laughs> shakti pot is um something that uh, Swami Muktananda did. Um, He was a yogi, and he believed in direct interference with someone's physical and spiritual being so that he would meet somebody, and he would do something like punch them in the gut or tweak them in the arm or something, and it would change their entire perspective as a result. It's just one click moment where it's like, oh, I, I see the mechanism that's causing this. Let me just turn this dial, and this will change this way.
1: Well, but I mean, if I physically took your head and moved it, you know, 90 degrees in another direction, I'm also changing your perspective. I don't I don't consider that necessarily manipulative.
0: Well, you didn't make a choice.
1: No, no, but I mean, like, if I'm stopping you, if I'm stopping, for example, you know, something that happens commonly is, like, someone's ruminating and is telling you the same story over and over again, right? And then you can, or they're telling themselves a version of a story, yeah. like, like, I'm... I didn't get that promotion, so obviously I'm worthless. And stopping that and reframing it—again, semantics here—but I don't, I don't consider that manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's it's manipulation. I think manipulation would be, you know, lying and and doing okay, things. Okay, that's a, fair. Like so like w- mo- guiding someone. Like I think that a big part of, of like even just the word counseling, right? To is to. I see that as, as you, like, you're guiding Present people. alternative solutions. Well, yeah, you're guiding someone to a certain place, right? It's, I don't know, like uh, don't know, like, like a GPS, right? Like, tell me where you want to go, and I'll, I'll yeah. get you there. And, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll be your guide. That's, and yeah. and that, that may include interrupting you and reframing something and, and doing all sorts of stuff. But I don't consider it manipulation. I can. I can, Okay, I can that, think that's
0: of, fair. I, I may be using the wrong the word in, in, in an incorrect way, but you are using your power to influence something. So th- that's definitely what therapy is. You're not. It's not a laissez-faire attitude. You don't go in with the idea that you're just going to let things be as they are.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's there's some very like solution focused, right? Like that's a, that's a term. <laughs> yeah. There are goal focused. There's you know, even like motivational interviewing like th- there, there are different things that you can do uh or that that are more upfront about that idea i think but but yeah i don't i don't i don't see therapy as manipulation like maybe something okay. like uh what is it um, i backed off the term i know i know i know <laughs>
0: i know i'm just <laughs> I, you know you're right semantics takes a bit it's a big part of it and and knowing your your language takes a big part of it so No, I don't see it as deceptive, manipulative, kind of uh, underhandedness. Yeah. Uh, So, but Doctor, this
1: this failed. Doctor Franklin. Franklin. But Doctor Franklin, it failed. Was trying to do that. (laughs) He was. He was was trying to.
0: He wasn't effective at it. I guess we could say that. Well, you're not going to be effective if you start out by not siding with the parents in the first place.
1: Well, and his goal was to get them to a point of desperation where they would see his side of the argument and see that they had no other choice because he believed that they would never, he definitely believed, uh, he never believed that they would kill their own son. The thought never occurred to him. The thought occurred to me very early on, but it never occurred to him. And it also never occurred to him that they would actually let him die. That didn't occur to him until much later.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. In fact, the dawning realization moment when he does find out what the traveling robe is all about, just like,
1: oh my God. Yeah. So, I, I don't even know
0: where we're at in this now. Well, he was
1: very arrogant, and he, he admitted was. it at he the was end. He was even smug at the
0: end, Yeah, when yeah. he's like, I'm waiting for my apology.
1: Yeah. And he admitted as much, right? He's like, I was, I was very arrogant, and, and it's true. I mean, there were a lot of other issues there, too, but he was also arrogant.
0: <laughs> so, we might possibly say that uh, Dr. Franklin did not do the best job at reframing. But what it really comes down to, and I think what Straczynski was trying to present was a no-win scenario. All these different beliefs, and none of them are absolutely, totally, one hundred percent right.
1: uh uh, so I think, I think that the parents. I mean, if somebody won, it was the parents because their beliefs were proven. Yeah. Throughout. And yeah. they and they did what their religion like they were at peace at the end. Yeah, their son was gonna die anyway.
0: They were they, they were already prepared for the death. Exactly. They were already talking. They were already having their ending conversation or you know, that deathbed conversation that you expect to have. That was already happening before before Doctor Franklin even did the surgery.
1: Yeah, which isn't something that is obviously we don't get a lot of time to process that in the episode, but. A lot of religions are a source of comfort for that type of thing. Like the idea, again, in a Christian household that your, that your significant other died and is now in a better place is way more comforting that they went to a worse place or no place at all. And, yeah. and these parents, they, they came to terms with it early on. They were upset and they were willing to work with the doctor to possibly save him. But not at the cost of their not at the cost of their son's uh soul
0: yeah ultimately yeah
1: and like there's no again very small planet i'm assuming it is mono religious right they are they they made a lot of comments including the kid right it's like well you know you're not one of the chosen like we're the chosen
0: right right yeah Oh, and you don't get to see their planet. We we say very small planet, but what we really mean is uh, not part of the political spectrum in Babylon 5's world at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody yeah. kind of like a pebble, as you put it. Um, yeah. yeah. Again, I'm, uh, I'm
1: taking Jakar's word for it, that it's a small planet. I don't know. I don't know. Compared <laughs> to what? I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I think I saw it as being more metaphorical statement, but... Um, Maybe he was being honest. I mean, maybe it's... it's I, don't know, I don't know about the physics of small planets versus large planets, but I don't even know if a, a monotheistic, complete monotheistic culture exists, so it'd be interesting to sort of explore what their planet is like. But
1: This was... I mean, I love this episode. This may be... I don't know how many times I've said this before, but I don't know, <laughs> maybe this has been my favorite episode so far because it was like, oh, it made me think. It And, and again, I love... I love the politics of it. I love that they went to everybody and everybody had a very different reason to act or not act. And again, it made you and I both think about a lot of stuff in our personal lives and our work. And that, that makes it a successful (laughs) piece of media.
2: uh, Exactly. My book.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, it just so happens that we've had discussions like this before. They just haven't been recorded like this. So it's, Mm-hmm. Uh for for those who who are getting to know us through Conspiracy of Light uh, the, these are the kind of conversations that hostway and I have all the time. Yep.
1: If you want to hear that podcast, <laughs> let us know.
0: <laughs> you know, I I feel like we need to end it by saying uh how about that Ivanova?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ivanova such
0: an such an empty story in the sense of of what was going on elsewhere. Um but I we was can very maybe surprised to see later
1: on. I was very surprised to see anybody else in this episode. <laughs> when Ivanova yeah. showed up, I was like, oh. And when and when Jakarta Delin, and 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 Lando showed up, I was like, Oh, look at this. <laughs> they made them they made them show up for work <laughs> this week. Oh, but yeah, Ivanova. She's going stir crazy. Now we know that she can fly too. Everybody can fly, apparently. Everybody can fly. <laughs> yep. And I think
0: it the only thing it does so it 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 pads the episode basically her her entire yeah. dealing with the Raiders, but the only thing it does at the end is you know she she looks at that family getting together and she's sometimes it works out
1: well, she broke the rules, yes, and, and so did dr
0: Franklin, mm-hmm. and so yep. you have two people breaking the rules, and there are two different outcomes,
1: yep, but they're so as 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 uh we can show from our one-hour-long conversation, yeah, <laughs> so far is that one of those breaking of the rules isn't as uh, thought-provoking <laughs> as the sure. other. Sure, <laughs> sure. One, it wasn't meant to be. So, also, she was a commanding officer, so yep. she she made a tactical decision, which is not like it's military. Like that, thats what you do. She wasn't going to call Sinclair for permission to go do the thing at a moment when the Raider ship showed up. So. I know that they tried to present that like that's the idea like oh two people broke the little rules and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't I'll I'll catch you up in a bit but <laughs> but like her version like her experience I'm just glad she was stirred crazy and she got to go out and stretch her legs and do something different that was that was cool but had nothing to do like wasn't wasn't as impactful obviously no wasn't
0: wasn't meaningful yeah. at all to our story that was going on I, I that's just me trying yep. to piece together some pastiche that really maybe shouldn't even be there in the first place. <laughs>
1: but they explicitly said, "Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't." <laughs> yes, yes, that was their intention. Yeah,
0: that's a lot of work for a for that little punchline there at the end. But uh, sometimes they even, it works, they even it doesn't.
1: Like slowed down the video at the end with the kid and the parents. Uh huh. <laughs> like we need a little
0: bit Da-na-na. more of this.
1: <laughs>
0: this is the lifetime commercial. <laughs> Oh, and man. we've just been dealing with the most controversial episode in the world. And
1: here's yep. the lifetime moment. Yep. There was one point when Ivanova came back and I was like, whoa, did they ever even show what happened with the other Raider ships? I forgot all about them. No, they, 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 they didn't. No, It was, uh,
0: I I really think it was padding for the episode and I think they could have done something different, but yeah. that's okay. But it was cool to It was, cool was still see... a very stirring episode.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was good to see a, a female officer go out and kick butt. That was cool. I yep. agree. Yep. I'm not complaining.
0: <laughs> just well, we will see more of Ivana in the future, uh, of course. Yep. Um our next episode dun, 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 will be survivors. I'm not gonna give any details. I'm just gonna say, hey, our next episode is survivors. Thank you. <laughs> so I'm I'm looking forward to it the next time. Uh to those who are listening to Conspiracy of Light, thanks so much for indulging us in our, our crazy discussion of metaphysics via Babylon 5.
1: You get real personal on this show. More you than do. I expected when we started doing a Babylon 5 <laughs> show. What is the show about again? Oh, yeah, Babylon 5. You know, Josue, I think it's
0: just a matter of my way of doing things is that I get very personal about things. Anybody who listens to uh, Rolling for Change will know that. I'm on board. I know what I signed up for. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks, Sway. We'll, we'll do it again soon. Um, I look forward to it. And until then, I, I, there ought to be some tagline here. Eventually Everyone, we'll keep on again. conspiring. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, okay. No, it's not. It's not good, maybe. Not. I don't hate it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, bye, everybody. <laughs> bye, everybody.